I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So when did it really strike Bruce Arians that he was a Super Bowl champion? And what were his first words to Tom Brady after they won the game? How close did playoff Lenny and Lombardi Lenny come to becoming waiver wire Lenny? And the Rays added a couple more big-name free agent pitchers, Rich Hill, Colin McHugh, well, big names five years ago. And the Lightning's Anthony Sorelli is week-to-week, but Steven Stamkos is coming back from his COVID-19 protocol, what looks to be a false positive. We've got all that, and maybe the Daytona 500 will end before we're done with this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, Bucks fans, don't miss out on a chance to relive the incredible season with a hardcover collector's book. It's full of compelling stories and action-packed photos from my colleagues and me at the Tampa Bay Times. This 160-page book puts you inside the huddle. It's the perfect way to commemorate an unbelievable season. Just go to bucksbook.com to order. It's regularly $39.95, but for a very limited time, you can save $10 when you pre-order. This offer expires February 17th. This segment of Sports Day Tampa Bay is brought to you by Breitling Boutique. Breitling Boutique is an international plaza. You know, it's one of only 15 in the United States, and they've welcomed championship quarterbacks and Hall of Famers and championship boxers as clients. But they treat everyone the same, and they'll treat you great when you come in too. Now, just tell them that Rick and Steve sent you, and you'll get a free Breitling cap just for trying on one of their beautiful Breitling watches. Breitling Boutique in International Plaza. All right, Steve, so hopefully as we're doing this uh, podcast late into the evening or early morning, I guess you would say, on uh, Monday, uh, the Daytona 500 might actually end, so we might have a live winner for you here. We have 27 laps to go at this point, so. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, I, Denny I, Hamlin's way out in front. I was at the Raptors uh, game tonight, and then I see uh, Matt Baker tweet as I was uh, getting home that, oh, we made it to the halfway point. I was like, what? <laughs> A little bit of weather. A little bit of weather, yeah. Yeah. And a giant wreck in the beginning, of course. Yeah, it took out Eric Amarola. So uh, Champa Bay can't win the Daytona 500 this year. Isn't that awful? It's just awful. That's the thing I, like, I don't get about NASCAR. Like, I hate football from the standpoint, like, guys get hurt all the time. It just seems unfair. And then and then in NASCAR, it's like you could be in the first lap, second lap. Third. You waited all year, and this is the this is their Super Bowl. You know, they, they play mm-hmm. the Super Bowl, or in this case, run the Super Bowl the first week of the year. And then everything else, I guess, is the regular season. But um, just to, you know, you you you've tinkered with your car and you've got it all set up just right, and you've had your, you know, your race week and you're ready to go. And then everybody comes out and they're running three wide, boogity boogity boogity. Oh, look at the crashes! And it takes out all the good cars. <laughs> Normally, those just, crashes happen later in the race. This one was really early today. It was really early today, yeah. So or this, this yesterday, I should say. Yeah, well, yeah. And it was it was. It's hard to believe that it's been 20 years since Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt died at Daytona. It wasn't today or you know the anniversary of it, but 20 yeah. years ago. It was 2001. Hard to believe it's been that long. 2001, I was skiing in Keystone, Colorado, I believe. Came back and was turned on the news, and I was like, holy, this can't be true. And, and sure it was. Um, that was awful. 
But uh, yeah, twenty years. Man. Yeah, we were doing a watch party. I was in Cincinnati at a radio station, carried the NASCAR races. So we did a pre-show from oh, wow. uh, one of the sports bars, and then we're doing the watch party at the sports bar when it happened at the end. And you know, at first, you didn't know right away. I mean, you were, you know, and then they, the racer. They, you know, it was weird. The the guy that I think uh, who won the race. They had him on before. Uh, he does the TV now for Fox. Um, gosh, I wish I didn't. Waltrip, wasn't name. it? Waltrip. It was Daryl yep. Waltrip, yep. and. He was on. Uh, he was in Victory Lane. He had no idea, and somebody mm-hmm. came up to him, whispered to him, said, "Don't look good for Dale." And he was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> and he expected to see Dale any minute come bursting through and congratulate him and stuff. Yep. And it really was bad. And so, well, and they yeah. weren't really saying much. I mean, it's you know, I think twenty years ago, you didn't have Twitter and phones the Social way you do media, now and yeah. this, and, and and so they could keep keep it a little tighter lipped. And you know, you kind of saw the crash, and like it didn't look good, but nobody's mm. really saying anything, right? You know, they just kind of. Not ignored it, but it was, you know, I mean, I think on the broadcast they knew it was bad, but they didn't want to say it. Right. It was a hard impact. I mean, when you mm-hmm. go back and watch, but it wasn't like, you know, the car, I think they had it. Well, who was the one that had the race uh, last year at the uh, Daytona 500 when airborne, mm-hmm. right? And almost and flipped over and it looked, yep. it was dramatic and, and scary. Um, that was not, that's not the way it looked with Dale. Right. Well, they even mentioned in, in lap three, because they still honor him on lap three of every yes. NASCAR race. Mm-hmm. And they I mentioned it today that up. he's the last death in any of the three major, the circuits of NASCAR. Oh, wow. Uh, that, you know, some of the safety improvements they made because of that crash. And since that the crash, Hans device and yeah, yeah all that stuff the has, to has the, really yeah. helped, um, and, and made this, mm-hmm. this, the, the, the sport safer for the drivers. Made it safer. No, it's incredible how how they can run that fast and that far and have that many collisions and uh, and and have that safety record is really an and 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 they learn they make your car safer as a result of it. Mm-hmm. I mean that's all part of the technology that goes into the the cars that we buy. So, yep. but anyway, we'll let you know who wins this race. Probably twenty twenty two to go. Over. So we'll we'll know here shortly. We hopefully. will have a winner. Um. So I wrote a story in the Tampa Bay Times on Sunday. And I guess we were we'd already done our final podcast last week when I talked to Bruce Arians, and of course I you know we did the we did the boat parade. <laughs> we heard a lot from Bruce Arians, very little of which we can say on a family podcast. Keeping everybody to keep and nobody's going anywhere. That's all you need to know. Your ass ain't going anywhere either. Yeah, that's, that's all you kept saying to everybody. But I just think it was funny that you know everybody was let's let's be honest. Everybody had 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 a few. Um, Beverages, uh, avocado tequilas. Point. Yes, avocado tequilas, and um, they were pretty loose at the moment. But when I talked to him a day a day later, he was he was uh, Bruce. Bruce was in a, in a great mood, and he and he was still basking in the in the glory of the um, the parade, which was unlike anything he'd ever seen. He had been a part of several parades, um, you know, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and so uh, the Super Bowl was not new to him. But as a head coach, it certainly was. So. Um, you know, we saw what happened, you know, after the game and the Gatorade bath and, and, and all the soggy embrace with his family and, and the confetti and all that stuff. Um, but when he was on the uh, – he told me – I said, well, you know, just sort of what what are you feeling at this point? It was a couple of days after the Super Bowl, and he just had the boat parade. And he goes, you know, um, everything that happened, you know, it's, it's everything you imagine. He said it was kind of like – you know, better than you imagined in many ways when in that moment occurs and it's zero zero and you're a Super Bowl champ. But he said, you know, it really didn't hit me until we were halfway down the river. And he says, I'm holding the trophy over my head. And I remember because our boat, we were in one of these water taxis and we, we try to 
position ourselves between Bruce, the Gronk boat, which was crazy, and Brady, who had his own his own rig. And we were kind of in the middle there, so we could see all of them at kind of at the same time. And he says it didn't hit him until he's about halfway down, and he's holding the trophy over his head, and he goes like, "Holy crap!" Like we didn't say crap, but holy crap, this is real. This is real. Like he goes, "I didn't cry." He said, "But I had a few tears, and it kind of welled up." And I said, "Oh man!" I was like, "Well, you know, what'd you do next?" He goes, "Well, I gave Jason a big hug, and I handed him the trophy because my arms were getting tired of holding it over my head." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Well, that was that was a good move." Um, but you know, he, if you think about Arians who didn't get a chance to be a head coach until in the NFL, at least, and, and it was by accident, really Chuck Pagano got sick mm-hmm. in Indianapolis and he was the interim and they, and he went nine and three, uh, as the interim and he, they wound up, uh, going to the playoffs and, you know, he won coach of the year. Um, and you know, only because, you know, Chuck got, uh, you know, a former, I guess it was cancer, leukemia, one of the, one of those, and um, you know couldn't finish out the year, didn't come back till later, and then that that led, of course, to his job with the Arizona Cardinals, where he was really successful there, um, and then he had some health problems and he and he walked away. But he's sixty eight years old, and so he started he started his coaching career as a grad assistant at Virginia Tech, where he played more than forty five years ago, and so. You know, it's kind of like I asked him, I said, well, when you, did you wake up, you know, Monday morning after the Super Bowl, a smarter coach? He's like, heck no. You know, he's just, but he did say, he goes, you know, it really does change your life. He goes, it's just, it just does. It's just, it's, it's life changing. And, you know, and talking to his son, um, Jake, uh, who, you know, was a kicker in this league for a year with Buffalo and, um, you know, writes, he does some contributing stuff for the draft network, um, you know, he he just he put it. You know, in the in, from a family standpoint, you know, there were people that didn't think that Bruce should should coach this year. I mean, because if you look at all the coaches in the NFL, he's certainly one of the older ones, but he's also one of the most compromised. He's had cancer three times. You know, a lot of health scares, and so when everybody was everybody was telling him, Bruce, you, you shouldn't coach during COVID. Like this is, you know, this is really dangerous. You could get you could get sick and get or worse. Well, not only that, but if you remember back when he was hired a year ago, a year earlier, mm-hmm. he hadn't been a head coach in a season where he didn't go to the hospital. That's correct. No. You're right. He didn't mm-hmm. in the first year. He didn't last year with the Bucks, and it, he didn't again this year. That was his first year, though, but, that but he had not. Yeah. Yeah, you do that, and then you add COVID on top of it, and you go, whoa. You know, yeah. I mean, there's this a good reason not... why they said well, maybe you shouldn't coach. Right. And and, and they, they talked about it. You know, Jake says we talk about everything. You just said, you know – He's Jake. Jake's the one that told him. Said, "Look, um, I think you might be healthier, or stay healthier if you're at the complex being tested every day and having all those protocols, than out here, you know, at the lake house playing golf with who knows who has what, you know. And then you're going to be mad anyway that you're on the golf course instead of coaching that team. Like you just you, you won't you won't be able to stand it. You won't you can't do it. And um." You know, and so that I think it also helped. Obviously, all of his staff and his coaches were available when he came back to coach. But yeah, and then you know Tom Brady shows up, so obviously he was going to do that. But I do think you know for Bruce, if you if you really put his his career in perspective, it's the it's it's the miss it was the missing thing of his career. And you know, winning a Super Bowl 
as a head coach, there's just not that many guys that have done it. Um, there's, first of all, there's been, you know, 55 of them, which isn't a ton. Um, but let's just, you know, think about the, the guys that, that are well-known coaches now. Sean Payton has one Super Bowl, you know, with Drew Brees. All those years with Drew Brees, he won one time. Mm-hmm. You know, Andy Reid, <clears throat> years and years with Philadelphia, went four times, I think, to the NFC Championship game. Um, had to go to Kansas City. He's got one Super Bowl, you know. Pete Carroll. And, and there's Pete Carroll, yeah, who went went twice and won once. He's got one Super Bowl. So, you know, if you look at the NFC South, th- there's whole teams. The Bucks now have two, but, I mean, Carolina's never won one. Atlanta has never won one. They had a 28-3 to lead over Tom Brady and didn't win, but nonetheless, they didn't win. So there's whole franchises that don't have them. And if you look at, you know, just active coaches – it it does sort of cap off your career. And for him, you know, did got a late start, hasn't been a long head coaching career per se, but he's got the hardware and you know what? He's not done. Like he he got through this year really comfortably and felt good and lost twenty five pounds and, you know, um let his coaches coach him. He's he's fond of 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 saying I didn't do a damn thing and you know he did a lot, right? But he didn't do the game planning, and he didn't do the scripts, and he didn't do the play calling, and, and a lot of that was taken off his plate by by his design and the confidence he has in his assistant coaches, and it probably made him a better head coach. That that you know, there's all kinds of ways of doing it, right? You can be the play caller coach, which I always thought was way too much on a guy's plate. Um, something's going to get missed on the other sides of the ball. Um. Uh, you know, or you, you know, you can be you can be the CEO type, which is sort of his style, and I think he I think he thrives in that. But you know, he we we there's a lot that came out of this interview, um, and I'll just kind of give some of the highlights. One of them was just the whole pursuit, you know, of Brady, and I've written about it, um, you know, and I wrote about it at the time. If you go back and read the story I wrote after Jameis's last pass as a Buccaneer, it was a pick six in the overtime, and they lost to the Atlanta Falcons. And they had lost the previous game to the Houston um, Texans. And the defense just beat the crap out of Houston. Houston couldn't do anything. And, you know, Jameis had a pick six, and there were a bunch of turnovers, and they wound up losing those two games. They were 7-7, seven and seven, and I talked to Bruce about this. They were 7-7. Seven and seven, with two winnable games at home. And Jameis has just come off throwing 463, I think, and 462 against the Lions and to get them to 500. And I, I remember writing, you know what, if he's going to play like this, then you have to bring him back mm-hmm. you know, because he's probably going to win the next two games. I mean, just looking at those teams and the way they were headed, you figured the Bucks at home the next two weeks – are going to win these two games, and and they should have. They outplayed both teams until the very end. But Jameis, he threw them away. He just flat, you know, they thought they were behind all that, and then it showed up again. And I remember writing after that game, remember, remember this throw, like remember how this ended. And incidentally, it's how his career began with a pick six. But I said you can bet the Bucks will, and they did. And it, it just, it just, I could tell. You know, anytime you lose, you feel bad and, you know, but, it, you know, the season was over and they knew that they were better than seven and nine. And you could just tell that Arians was, he just kind of had enough. You know, he just was 30, inter- and that was his 30th interception, which is, which is a number that 
carries a significance for you. 29, 28, that's, but 30, right? No one had thrown 30. And so what he did was he went to the Glazers, and um, they weren't done. They were not done with Jameis in their minds. Like they, even though he needed a new contract and he had played his five years and and and, and he had thrown all those interceptions, they liked Jameis and they wanted him so badly to be their quarterback that they weren't completely sold that that they should get rid of him or not re-sign him. And Bruce sort of recognized that and, and he said, "Look, I'm not saying that we should just." cut ties all together with Jameis what I'm saying is let's see we we owe it to ourselves to see what's behind door number two and he used that phrase a lot in the media too and and what he what he meant was there's going to be other quarterbacks we know Philip Rivers came out and and you know he got let go of San Diego and you had Teddy Bridgewater was available and oh by the way this guy named Tom Brady which a lot of people just didn't believe that that was going to actually happen, even though he didn't have a contract and he was technically a free agent. No one thought he's actually going to leave New England, and for all the world, he did. And when when Arians told them, look, we got one missing piece because this is a talented football team and we just couldn't get out of our own way because of the turnovers, but then it became, well, what if it's Brady? <laughs> and they were like, Okay, <laughs> that would work, and um, you know, and and sure enough, that's that that became exactly what happened, and you know, the rest, as they say, is, is history. But um, it wasn't as we wrote at the time; it was not you know, fait accompli that they were just gonna like that. Jameis wasn't in it. I mean, he was still a possibility. I think Brady, you said all, you said all along it was Brady, Bridgewater, and then maybe yeah. Jameis was third, right? I always thought that Jameis was in it. Mm-hmm. And, look, a lot of teams had their opportunity to sign Jameis, and he ended up going to New Orleans for a million dollars, which what he called was going to be an education, the Harvard Quarterback School. And he was their number three quarterback all year long, all year long, um, to the point where when Drew, Drew Brees got hurt, they they played Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. Now they're saying, you know, they want to see him compete and come back, and he could be their quarterback. And, okay, we'll see what other, what other team out there – takes a nibble on Jameis and maybe offers him more money. But, you know, it it just it wasn't it wasn't a slam dunk. And of course we know Brady had done his homework and um you know, and that that goes back to what was said a couple things. What was said before the game by Brady? Remember cuz after the coach the coaches talk to the team in the locker room before they go on the field. And then they always bring players up to break it down, right? And so as the coaches were leaving, Arian said he kind of he kind of hung back enough to hear Brady. And everybody's been talking about this speech. And I don't know that there's a recording of it unless NFL Films has it, which is possible. They have the uh, the uh, trash talk between Tyron Matthew and Tom Brady. They're not releasing. But. They haven't released that yet. Yeah, they are going to. They got a 41 minute um, uh, mic'd up for the game that it, I've heard. It's, it's very good. It's excellent. And then the TV, the um, the TV, the movie, the actual movie that they do, NFL Films does, on the Super Bowl is coming out, I think, early next week. Okay. And I've seen portions of it they put on Twitter as well. But what Arian said about it, he goes, look, he goes, his pregame speech, because he heard it, he said was perfect. He goes, I thought it was just the right tone. He goes, it was about honor. It was about you win this game and people honor you and they're going to honor you for the rest of your life. 
And, you know, he was speaking from his experience, of course, for all those guys that hadn't won it yet. And and that that sort of is how you're known, you know, forever and ever, no matter what you do in football or where you go after this, um, what's next to your name is Super Bowl champion. You know, Sean Murphy Bunting, if he never plays another down for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and he is, um, they're going to always say, hey, Super Bowl champion cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so, you know, that really resonated, I guess, with a bunch a bunch of his players. Um, and then, you know, we know he went out there and he had a really good game and he was named the MVP. It could have gone to anybody on defense. But uh, but after the game, you know, one of the first people that Arians goes up to, and I guess this will all be on mic'd up, but after the game, he goes up to, uh, to B.A. and they have their moment. And what B.A. did was he reminded him of, you know, of what he said when he got on the phone for the first time. He said, remember that first talk we had? I said, we're going to do this. You know, we're going to win a Super Bowl. And Brady was like, yeah, hell yeah, I remember, you know. And that that was the first thing that Arians sold him on. He says, look, we're we're one quarterback away. You're the missing piece. If you come here, and, and he said, for as much as his talent, sure, he goes, but more about what he would bring you know, all those other things, right? That they help help the team learn how to prepare, how to win, um, how to play together, how to accept your role and all that. And that's really what the value of Brady is, is the accountability and the professionalism and, you know, putting your checking your ego at the door and everybody sort of doing their job and, and pulling for the other guy and, and so on and so forth, which brings us to which I thought was a really interesting part of the story, again, you can go and read it on TampaBay.com, is the Leonard Fournette situation. And, look, if this doesn't happen, you wonder, you know, just how it would have gone because Ronald Jones had a really good season, and he would have had over 1,000 yards. Oh, there's a big wreck. Oh, oh, God, explosions. On the last lap, the leaders all wrecked. Ooh, and these these are cars are on fire. Wow. Wow. Joey Logano was leading. They were in the last lap. The number two car is just... I think McDowell just won it. Smashed to heck. Driver That's looks to be okay. Logano. Oh, my goodness. You're getting real time. Well, by the time you see this, you'll know what happened. But they were coming down to the last lap. Right? They were on the last lap. Yeah, they were like was, a, turn, a, final a turn or turn, two that away. Was a final, yeah. final turn, I think. And the 34 car won it. Out of nowhere, because he stayed out of the out of he the was fray. sitting he was sitting in fourth or fifth at that time when that happened, yeah, yeah, incredible, and Austin Dillon was trying to make a push, I think he he might have taken second that was a crazy finish. We interrupt this this yeah, Bruce sorry. Arian story <laughs> getting play by play here uh number forty two car just got destroyed number two car it's just in pieces, it's like wrecked, and then there's the m and m's car it looks like one m and m now. Boy, these things really folded up. Does it quick. melt on the racetrack? I don't know. I hope I, I can't imagine nobody got hurt in this accident. This was a there's sheet metal from the cars wrapped around the uh the wall and the wow and the guardrail there. Yeah. Everybody seems to be getting, seem out, of getting out of their cars. Okay, so we'll update you later. Wow. Wow, what a wreck. Didn't this happen last year? 
on the final lap? The, they said the thing? last 10 Daytona 500s, the average last caution was uh, six laps to go. So oh. usually in the last 10 laps, there's been a wreck. Yeah. Man, that was something. Yeah, Logano and Dillon. McDowell was in third when this happened, it looks like. Oh, McDowell pushed Dillon into Number Logano. 34 pushed the two. Yeah. Yeah, he pushed and he Dillon, he pushed he Dillon the into race. Logano. Yeah. Didn't he win the race or no? He, yeah, he did. But he pushed he Dillon up, into Logano. And he winds up winning the race. Yep. Rubbing is racing. If you ain't, if you ain't rubbing, you ain't racing. That was McDowell, right? Yeah, yeah. Holy moly. Oh, yeah, he did. He got them all pushed up. He went right into Austin Dillon. Put him into Logano. Put him in Logano, went right between them. Oh, big collision, man. Those, oh, wow. Those four cars got into it in the wall. Ouch. Dang. Yeah, Bubba Wallace collision. is in there. Yeah, there's a bunch of them got knocked yeah. out. So, Michael Jordan, you want to own a car? Okay. Bubba's cars. Michael's going to be putting out some money for a new car now. Although I think that I think he actually continued on, but he did, was it part of that wreck? So yeah, he was part of it. Anyway, anyway, getting back to my story, I don't know if we're going to leave all this in or not. If we did, apologize for the display. I think you guys understand that they're racing, it's man. Live sports, paint. man. Live sports. Live, live sports here. Trying to bang it to you. Hate it for the crew. Car run good. This segment of Sports Day Tampa Bay is brought to you by Moffitt Cancer Center. Moffitt is a proud partner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Call 1-888-MOFFITT, M-O-F-F-I-T-T. Oh, we're talking about Leonard Fournette. So this was a good story that uh, that he told when I was talking to Bruce, and it's, in, again, in my story on Sunday. Um, you know, Fournette signed here as a free agent. He got cut by Jacksonville. I and mean, think about that now. This is a guy they drafted in the first round, right? Was 94% of their offense there when they went to the championship game two years ago. And he ends up getting released because they're kind of tired of him, quite frankly. I think they, I don't even think he played the last game uh, when he was in Jacksonville. But regardless, he comes here and he, and pretty early on, you know, Ronald Jones is still trying to get his feet under him and, and he has, and Fournette has a 100 yard game against somebody. And then Jones takes off and they really are committed to Jones being their starting, their RB1. And so Fournette kind of doesn't get to play, and really McCoy didn't play much either, and, and um, uh, Leonard didn't take it well. And so I, I I have said this before. I think he was sulking a bit. He w- just when he did play, he wasn't productive. He wasn't getting a lot of yards per carry and things like that. So there came a point where they came out of the bye or whatever, and uh, or maybe it was right before the bye, but uh, they I think it was I think it was after, but. They're playing Minnesota, and we look down, and he's a healthy scratch. I mean, he is inactive. Leonard Fournette's inactive. And they had they had McCoy up that day, LaShawn. And the Bucks beat the Vikings 26-14. to 14. And so Fournette, as you can imagine at this point, is at the lowest point of his career. He's been, he's been cut by Jacksonville. He's been picked up by a team that has a chance to go to a Super Bowl, and he's not playing at all. And now he's inactive. Now he's not even got a uniform. When they don't give you a helmet that day, and you're a player like Lenny Fournette, like your your first round pick, Leonard Fournette. That's that's painful. So, and and Leonard has talked about this, but I haven't heard it from Arians. So he had a meeting with Arians, and um, and I asked Bruce, I go, so what? You know, that could because that could have gone sideways, right? I mean, at that point, you just don't know what his reaction is going to be. 
And he and Arian just said, he says, I just told him, you know, you're, this is your situation. I mean, you're, you know, you're our number two tailback, basically. And he goes, and it can change at a drop of a hat. It's a, it's a violent sport and all that. But he said, but this is your situation. He said, you can either embrace it or you can say, cut me. What do you want? And then he told him, he goes, I, you know, this is a very special team I think you're part of, and, and you've got a feel for that, but you got to see if you can hang in there and see what happens or, you know, or or I'll cut you. So he left it up to Fournette, and Fournette, to his credit, said, no, I want to I stay. Um, but that's how close they came to dumping him. And not only did he stay, but things did, did happen. You remember um, Ronald Jones got COVID and – you know, missed missed the last game of the regular season, and then they go to uh, no, not the the next to last game of the regular season. He played against Atlanta, and he played pretty well in the finale. and And he, I think, he fell just shy of a thousand yards. And then they go to Washington, and all of a sudden, before the game, they find out that Jones has a bit of a quad pull, and Leonard has to play the whole game and starts and has a hell of a game. You know, over a hundred yards. Close to 100 yards rushing, a bunch of yards receiving, um, and then he became playoff. That that brought playoff Lenny to the fore, and playoff Lenny was not the player during the regular season. He was he was really good, and and I think he led the NFL in the in the postseason in total yards. Um, had over I think 400 yards and and three touchdowns, and then of course Lombardi Lenny was the guy you saw in the Super Bowl running over people, and scoring a touchdown on a pretty long run. But all of that could have ended, you know, after the Minnesota game had that had that conversation gone a different way. So just some really interesting, you know, little tidbits um, about sort of how the season progressed. And uh, it's mostly about Bruce and, you know, the boat parade and, and just what it means to his family having won. And um, and like I said, Jake said, look, this is the icing cake on an unbelievable career. And, you know. And it really, he called it a fulfillment of a lifetime, which is which is true for most coaches. I kind but. of equate a little bit to Joe Madden too. Very I mean, much know, so. I mean, Very started, much so. Started coaching so late in their careers, as yep. far as head coach or manager in baseball. Yep. Um, very good, successful. I mean, Madden, you know, completely turned around the Rays and brought yep. them to the World Series. They didn't win that one in '08, mm-hmm. um, but then he gets a chance to go to Chicago and, and breaks a curse there and wins that. Um, yep. You know, Bruce Arians comes to. To Tampa Bay, who statistically is the worst franchise in pro sports of the four mm-hmm. major sports. No playoffs the in a one. dozen years, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, comes in to fix Jameis. Jameis has a good season when mm-hmm. you look at touchdowns 5, and yards. yards. And, and yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, 33 touchdowns, f- right. over 5,000 yards, but he has the 30 interceptions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then he was able to bring Tom Brady into here. And, yeah. you know, he and Jason Light. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, later in their career and, and how much – you know, we know Joe appreciates the the World Series and and what he did with that, and I kind of equate Bruce Arians kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. That's really a good analogy, and those two are, are close. They're close in age too. Um, Joe's a little bit older, but mm-hmm. but their 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 careers they had been lifers. They had been life assistant mm-hmm. coaches, and you know, they got to become managers or head coaches late. They talked a lot, you know. They they met at mm-hmm. Ava when 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 Bruce got the job, and um, you know, uh, of course he followed him in Arizona and stuff like that. But yeah, it's uh, and and you know what, 
and I, I will say this now, he hasn't coached all that long, I think seven, eight years maybe, but that's the coaching career for most people. He could be a Hall of Fame coach. I mean, it's possible, you know, you, especially if he wins another one. He wins another um, one, you almost have to. I mean, But there's not, yeah, there's not many guys that have won two that aren't in the Hall of Fame. And and he's going to stay and try to win another one. He really does think that they could run it back. And, I, you know, I somebody asked me, I was on uh, Bay News 9 for the uh, face-off that I do sometimes with, with uh, Dave, Dave Worth. And one of the questions was, will Tom Brady be better by or sell? Will Tom Brady be better next season than he was this year? And I'm buying it. I think he will be. Like, barring injury, which, you know, this is not part of the question, but barring injury, you just look at mm-hmm. the fact that second year in the system, maybe preseason games, knows all the players, um, you know, isn't trying to think of the verbiage anymore. They've ironed things out like they did towards the end of the season. I mean, without any appreciable decline in his physical ability, they average 31 points a game. When I talk to Bruce, he says, I definitely think he goes, look, I think we could average 38, 38 points a game next year, you know, with with everything we're going to do. Uh, I have one caveat to that because I, I do think they can. Tell me the health of the offensive line next year. I well, and that's and, a and great you can't, point. You can't tell me that. I mean, that's something that no. happens during the season. But the health of any team, any, for instance, any I mean, team. part a big part of the Super Bowl was Kansas City's offensive line was Huge. was not what they had hoped it was going to be. You know, with injuries in that, and and Tampa they Bay's defensive function, line took Steve. advantage of it. I mean, they yeah, just, they couldn't they, function. Yeah, they couldn't. No, they were unfunctional, and 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 that would happen to any team. Sure, I've said this to people: if if the Bucks went out there with Tom Brady. And he played the same game, and they and nothing against these players. Believe me, they're they're the best in the world. I'm not trying to disparage them in any way, but if Josh, if they went out there with Josh Wells and Joe Hag at tackle, mm-hmm. and they had Ted Larson at guard or center, I'm telling you that game does not turn out the same way. And Tom mm-hmm. Brady gets hit a lot. I, I just know he would mm-hmm. because no team has eight. Or or even seven. Sometimes they don't help. Most teams don't have five, you know, really quality starting offensive linemen. Now, I think the Bucks have six, um, but you know, it, it's a totally. And not only that, for that matter, when they went to Green Bay, if David Bakhtiari, who's the best left tackle in football, isn't out for that mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. it's possible Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a rough day. Mm-hmm. So, it, but listen, any Super Bowl team you see that wins yep. the Super Bowl, there are breaks along the way. Absolutely. There are break. You have to get lucky with injuries. You have to get lucky with matchups. If teams lose players before you play them, that's all part of it, man. Mm-hmm. That is so a big, such a big part of it. I mean, and, and who you play, how you match up, I'll never – I mean, the 2002 team, as great as they were, as great as they were, I will say this. If you go back and look – um, San Francisco was playing the New York Giants, and the winner was coming to Tampa. And the Bucks had played the Giants, I believe, earlier that year, and it was just a bad matchup. The Giants were a heavy team. Um, they were physical. They were bigger. They were a power team. Um, you know, the Bucks' defense was undersized for the most part. They did a lot of it with their speed and stuff. And it, it would be it would have been a much harder matchup. Way harder. 
and somehow the 49ers came from behind and they win the game. And then instead of getting the Giants, they get a team, you know, in San Francisco that runs the exact same offense as the West Coast offense that Gruden runs, that they see every day in practice, that is a team they can match up with physically very easily. And they beat them 31 to something, you know, 31 to 7 or 14, whatever it was. Um, and then, of course, you know, they had played Philadelphia earlier in the year, and that was their albatross, right? That was their New Orleans, if you will. And they got over they got over the hump there. And then here comes Oakland, a team that John had just coached. You know, those are all breaks, right? Who you play, when mm-hmm. you play them. And then Barrett yeah. Robbins. Remember the Super Bowl? Oh, yes. Barrett Robbins, their center. This is not a small thing. Your starting center is Barrett Robbins, and he, he has – he goes AWOL in San Diego – and can't play in the game because he's bipolar and he has a problem. He can't play. Well, that affected the Oakland Raiders that day. Absolutely, it did. You know, and we've so seen lots of those, those types of stories over the you know in the Super Bowls past. Cincinnati Stanley with Wilson. Stanley, Stanley, yeah, yeah, Stanley Wilson. Right, that was huge for them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah, I I think I think luck is a big factor. And so you're right. Your point is right. If they if they don't have the same offensive line, if they get injuries, but everything else and, you, mm-hmm. and everything, nothing's ever the same because every no. team is different and you're going to lose players and you're going to get injuries. But from a, from Brady's standpoint, just Brady for himself, whatever he did this year, he's going to be better at next year only because he understands it. He's been through it with Byron. I looked, you know, they're playing on NFL films, um, NFL Network, I should say. They're playing the NFL films, Super Bowls, and in, mm-hmm. in, on Saturday, they played the Bucks whole season. They skipped around a little bit, but they played. It was a tribute to the Bucks, and so they went back and they were playing games like through the regular season. And one of the ones I saw, and I it was startling to me, but I saw the game where they they came out of the bye and they were playing Atlanta and they got behind seventeen to nothing, and I mean quick. Yes. And the guy getting lit up was Sean Murphy Bunting, and. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they're down seventeen to nothing. I mean, it is, it's dreadful. They're three and out. They're 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 just getting dominated by the Atlanta Falcons. And that's that when Brady came out and had a thirty-one point second half, and he went crazy. But even while he was going nuts, and the defense, you know, Devin White has three sacks of Matt Ryan, and they start shutting down Calvin Ridley after he had lit him up. Even with all of that going on, I'm watching this game, and I'm saying. I don't even recognize this offense. What they were playing back then did not resemble what they played the last month of the season in the playoffs. It wasn't even close. They didn't run the ball. Of course, they were behind, but they didn't run the ball. They had very little motion. The play action wasn't that that great. There wasn't a lot of it. They spread the field out. Tom was in empty a lot. He got hit a lot. Um, They didn't protect him very well. And even in that game where they – started that slow roll and then they played a bunch of tomato cans and played Atlanta again and they played Detroit and all that. They started to get better, but even the last couple of weeks that offense was just starting to to incorporate some things and hit their stride to where they look like a different team. I mean, and and that was sort of the turnaround, right? I mean, that was coming back from 17 to nothing and beating Atlanta got that whole eight game the eight game winning streak started after the bye, but it kind of it kind of built on top of that, and I thought they were bad. Like I watched that game, and they they come back score thirty one unanswered, but 
or almost unanswered. I guess I guess uh, maybe there's a field goal in there or a touchdown. And I just didn't think they were very good. And so now you take an off season and you add to the way they finish the season. You take an off season, you build on that, and all the things that they figured out and the situations Byron and, and Brady had been through together that they had never been together for. I I absolutely think that it can be better on offense, but so much of that will have to do with who's back, who gets hurt. You know, do you have Chris Godwin? You're not gonna have it. You're not gonna have Antonio Brown. Maybe, um, you know, who's gonna step up? Is Tyler Johnson gonna take a step? Like all that stuff. So we got an interesting a, question the other day from Chris on Twitter, who, mm-hmm. who actually asked lots of mailbag questions. Yeah, he does. He says, "Do you think the lack of OTAs, training camp, and preseason games helped Tom Brady maintain his arm strength throughout the year? We talk about it with the race pitchers, but not sure if it applies to quarterbacks." Normally, I would say maybe, but Tom is a high—he's a high-volume thrower. In other words, there was—I don't know if you saw it—there was a uh, Instagram post over the weekend. Um, I think it was on Friday, Friday or Saturday, a couple days after the tequila. Avocado tequila wore off. And it was, um, and I don't know if this photo was live or it was a, an older photo, but it was Alex Guerrero and it was Brady with a with a bag over his shoulder carrying a big thermal water and everything. And it said, back to work. So I don't know if that means that they were back at it actually on the field working or what was going on there. But basically, you know, Basically, the you know he likes to throw. He likes to work out. He he is a guy that will go to Montana in the off season and throw with his his receivers. He'll work with Tom House on his delivery. I don't think he he may not throw in the volume he does during the regular season, but I don't think that he ever stops. You know, and so you know I know last year they had a couple days um, during the week where they they got Tom used to taking a day off where he wouldn't practice on Wednesday. He'd be out there, but he wouldn't throw. Mm-hmm. And that was later in the year. And that might have been because at that point you've thrown so many footballs in practice and training camp and all of that, that at the end of the year you probably do want to cut back a little bit on it. And I think they, I think the Bucks had to kind of hold him down to do that. But I, I don't know. Um, but I, I think his arm was pretty consistent. You know, something that might have helped him is the damn weather. I mean, we were out there in 60-something degree weather in January, you know, when, I, when they were preparing for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And in Boston, if you're going outside, I mean, it's it's freezing cold, you know, or you're indoors. But um, I think a lot of things probably helped him. But, but I, yeah, I don't – he wasn't going to play much in the preseason. Like I said, he went to Berkeley. He threw a lot. He likes to throw a lot of footballs. He's not, he's not one that tries to um, – you know, tries to cut back on that. So I'm not sure. It's a great question, though. This segment of Sports Day Tampa Bay is brought to you by Marina Bay St. Petersburg Luxury Waterfront Homes, where sports fans and enthusiasts live and play. Marina Bay is a 60-acre gated community on Boca Ciega Bay. All new construction is available now. Just contact them at marinabaystpete.com or call 727-906-3300. So the final thing, uh, and, and maybe I buried the lead here, but uh, was that I was talking to Arians, and we saw, you know, Brady, on, even on the boat parade, was wearing that uh, that sleeve, you know, on his on his left knee, and um, which I thought was eh, it's kind of odd, you know, you're on a boat parade, really, why are you wearing that? Although it can get slippery on those decks, and if you've had some avocado tequila, maybe it's not a bad idea to protect the knee that you injured. 
Um, but it turns out that uh, Bruce said that he's going to have a, what he deemed a cleanup. He's going to have some cleanup in there in that knee. Um, and so he'll be going under the knife here at some point. Not a major procedure. It sounds arthroscopic to me. Probably mostly cartilage, that sort of thing. But look, you're 43 years old, you know, and um, you've left a lot of pieces on football fields all over the NFL. So I don't know how much more you want to have to mess with it. But anytime you hear the word Brady and knee in the same sentence, it gets attention. And that certainly got a lot of attention when it was written. So we'll see how that how that turns out. This segment of Sports Day Tampa Bay is brought to you by Murata, where life is like a staycation every day. Contact them at MuratastayK.com. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Rays, man, we are just we're what when do they start with pitchers and catchers? Is like this week? This week. Uh full squad will be next week when they report. So Yeah. So this week with pitchers and catchers, and they've added, you know, some pretty big names. Again, if um if this were several years ago, I mean between Waka and then they've added Rich Hill. From Rich Hill the, and Colin McHugh this Dodgers, week. Yep. Colin McHugh. Mm-hmm. McHugh was one guy that he was actually signed with the Red Sox but then opted out last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you so. know, I, look, I, I was talking to uh, our friend Steve Carney tonight about that, about those pitchers. And, you know, uh, very important signings. I, look, I don't expect them to be top of the rotation. I, I think Colin's going to be in the bullpen, quite frankly. Rich Hill may, may start or – you know, follow openers at times, depending on how they go. But the Rays needed more arms to fill up the innings. I mean, you know, at some point you've got to have enough arms to get through enough, you know, 162 games times nine innings plus whatever extra innings you play. Right. Um, you know, and, and and until those two signings, and, and they probably still are looking for another pitcher or two, but they needed – they didn't have enough arms to get them through the season at this point. And, and they mm-hmm. may still not. I mean, you know, you can never have enough, quite frankly. But – um, you know, Rich Hill, they signed for what, two and a half million, Colin McHugh for 1.8 million, you know, they're mm-hmm. on, they're probably on the downsides of their career, but could still have some, some things to offer veteran pitchers on the staff too. Um, you might be able to use many different ways as well. Like I said, I think McHugh is going to be out of the bullpen for sure. Um, or, you know, maybe following openers at times and, you know, bullpen days, et cetera. But, um, you know, they needed some arms and, and those are a couple arms they've, they've put in place now. It gives them more versatility, but mm-hmm. if you add although if you add Chris Archer, who's making six million, I think, yep, you start adding all these together, you get to you, you almost get to Charlie you know, Blake Snell, Charlie Morton territory for this year, mm-hmm. which makes me wonder. Like, would you have been better off? You, again, you don't have the you don't have the depth, right? Because this is four arms we've added here. Right. If you can, you include the trade, well, Blake you know, they, Blake they I back. think wasn't about the money. I think it was about the prospects they got back in return. Right, they got four. Yeah, they it, got it was one purely. Really good pitcher. Yeah, it was purely. It was a deal they couldn't turn down. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think the Blake Snell part was not. Uh, yes, the finances do come into it, but I think it was at some point we're probably going to need to trade him, or we want to get assets back before his contract runs out and we lose him. And yeah. we got a deal now that we couldn't refuse. You know, mm-hmm. they like Pineda, they like the other prospects. So uh, you know, I, I think. The Blake deal was less about the money, although, I mean, that's always a part of it with the Rays. Yeah. You know, Charlie Morton, I think, you know, the Rays in typical fashion, they had a number they thought he was worth. They valued him with they're, X. And they're not going to go over Z. that. He, yeah. he decided that Atlanta was willing to pay him the 15 mil this year. 
It was close enough to home, and and so he made that choice. I mean, I, I think you know the Rays would have loved to have him back. I just and I don't think they valued him at fifteen million this year based on age and and everything they've they've seen and with him. Um, age and injury. I mean, last yeah. year mm-hmm. he made he made eight starts or nine starts. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yep. So uh, you yeah. know, I think it was more. I mean, it does come down to money for them, but it was just you know they put a value on every player yeah. and and yeah, including to. in trade. So if if you know. We have, we value Randy Rosarina. This is what we think he's worth. And if a trade comes in that gives us more value than that, then we'll do it. I mean, you know, I right. don't think there's anyone untouchable. Uh, you know, uh, some are a lot harder to touch than others, but and particularly if you have lots of years of team control on them. But, right. you know, that's the way they do business is, is everybody's got a, a slot of value of this. And, and if you're willing to offer more, we'll listen. I bet Tyler Glass now is a big a big price if you wanted him. I'm guessing. Well, considering you had three basically starting pitchers last year and you two of them are gone, that probably helps. But you know now mm-hmm. you've got Michael Waka, you've got Chris Archer, mm-hmm. you've got Rich Hill, you've got Pineda in the trade for Blake Snell, you've, and you've got a few other guys that could compete too. Ryan Yarbrough, who just Still went to arbitration, mm-hmm. you know. So you've you've I mean you've got enough you've got arms now. Right, you know, so that's that's a good thing for the race. I mean, they needed to add a few arms. They added two of them this week. So, I mean, that's that's all but good things for the race. And don't forget Kyle Snyder and the things he's done with some mm-hmm. of these pitchers and some of the veteran pitchers. One of these guys, I don't know who it'll be. Rich Hill, McHugh, Waka. Mark my words, maybe even Archer. One of those guys is going to recapture something. They're going to find something and and surprise you with the number of wins they have. It just always it's the Rays way. Well, and remember too. I mean, the other thing the Rays do well is putting people in positions to succeed. Absolutely. So you know they'll see what Rich Hill has and Colin McHugh has, and you know they're not going to go through the order more than twice if they're starting. Uh, right. If you didn't let Blake, did Snell Blake Snell do it. Yeah, he didn't let. <laughs> by the way, did you see the uh, Wendy's trolling the Rays? Oh man. Oh. <laughs> in case you haven't seen it, so Wendy's. Oh. Let me pull it up here. I have it. So here. good. Wendy's There's put a tweet out. It says, really time for everyone's favorite made-up social holiday. It's National Roast Day. Like, right now. Drop me a roast below and feel the burn. So the Rays responded, go ahead, Wendy. Absolutely roast us. Keep it spicy like your nugs. So <laughs> Wendy's response was, we're surprised you didn't pull your social media manager in the middle of writing that great tweet. <laughs> Hashtag National Roast Day. <laughs> Perfect. Why would you accept that challenge? <laughs> Well, and, and kudos to Wendy's for responding with that because that is oh, that so is top good. notch trolling. But right Wendy's there. is renowned for being yeah. like one of the best social trollers or social media trollers. Yeah, they're pretty. They're very good at that. They're so really good at it. That was yeah. a, that's a first class uh, response by Wendy's. So. Tremendous zinger, as they say. They did keep right, it let's, spicy. Let's yeah. <laughs> Let's right, yeah, they do. Let's wrap it up with the lightning. Anthony Anthony Sorelli is uh, week to week, I guess. Upper then, body injury. They said week to week. Um, so you know, figure usually week to weeks, not one week. Right. Um, it's usually so several weeks. You're figuring yeah. at least two weeks, if not more, for Sorelli to be out. Steven Stamkos was on the COVID list for two days. He's now off. Well, he um, has a means, lower body injury, well, though, right? So the question is, would he play tonight? Now. Derek Lalonde uh, told a show I work on on Lightning Power Play, the Lightning streaming channel, on Friday mm-hmm. that Stamkos has a lower body injury. If it was a playoff game last Thursday, he could have played, but they don't want to rush him back. They don't. There's no need. It's you know game 13 to 12 of the season, whatever it is. Um, so they, they held him out. So assuming that 
that you know that information is accurate and, and everything else. You would assume Stamkos could play tonight against Florida, the third game in a row against Florida, which has been a very chippy series. Uh, yeah, it has. Um, you know, the top two teams in the division, and uh, maybe a rivalry is starting to form. And, and Florida's good. Florida's know, good. They're a very good team. Um, and they flex some muscle on on what was it Thursday night, and then the, and, rain, and destroy the, the bolts and, came back. And the bolts said, "Okay, yeah, that's enough of you." And, uh, <laughs> Here's six. Here's yeah. a sixer. Yeah, they dropped six on them. Um, and, and the Lightning play, played a lot better. I mean, Flo- hey, kudos to Florida. They they came out flying on Thursday night, and the Rays never caught up. You um, know, I could have predicted they were going to lose, mm-hmm, even if the mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. even if the bolts had played well. If you looked at the schedule, that's one you would have said. Mm. Not sure they win there. Well, you know, Florida, you know, is sitting there. They're a better team. They've beaten up on some bad teams, just like the Lightning have, and you play who's on the schedule. But they wanted Lightning to, they coming want, off the road. Yep, but they wanted to prove. They wanted to prove oh, that sure, we belong sure. there. You know, that, sure they did. You yeah. know, last year they were, you know, everyone thought they were going to make the playoffs. They, ended, you know, they made the – they got the Lightning destroyed them in the round robin or the, the exhibition before the bubble. And then, you know, in the bubble they lost. So, you know, but Florida wanted to prove that, hey – you know, we belong. We're we're just as good. We're going against the Stanley Cup champs. A lot of ex Lightning players in that roster. Uh, Carter Verhage, of course, mm-hmm. uh, who scored. Uh, Anton Strawman's on there. Rako Gudis, Brett Conley. There's a lot of former Lightning players on that roster too. But they wanted to flex their muscle and show that hey, we're we're going to compete in this division, and they did. And they're a good mm-hmm. team. Yeah. Um, kudos to the Lightning for owning it and said we didn't play well. We you know. Didn't come out flying. We just, you know, that was on us. Bad, and they came out and fixed it the next night or the next game they on sure Saturday, did. and they played very well. Um, so it's going to be. I think it'll be a fun one tonight. I think those teams are going to be the top two teams in this division. Uh, Columbus, I haven't figured out yet. Chicago's not there. Detroit's not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Carolina will be up there too. Dallas is. They got off to a really hot start, then they cooled off some, and uh, I'm missing one other team in there, but. I think Florida and, and Tampa are probably going to be the top two teams in the division. Which and, and look, if a rivalry forms and you got to play them eight times this year, I think that's good for hockey in this area and the state of Florida too. So, did I see where their old division, like ev- almost every team, is leading the new division? The like Toronto, I think, and Toronto's leading Boston. Canada. Boston's leading. Yeah, I mean, they don't have a team in the Western Division, but yeah, right. but yeah, I mean, the, their old division is. Uh, so you have three teams: you have the Lightning, Boston, and Toronto, which were in one division, now mm-hmm. all leading. Yep, and those have been the top three teams in in the Atlantic Division for a couple of years now. Yeah, uh, generally Boston, Tampa won two, and then Toronto's been third. But yeah, it shows you how tough that was, man. Mm-hmm. Now you've had some clunkers at the bottom. Buffalo had been bad for a while. Detroit was bad. Ottawa, Ottawa's mm-hmm. the worst team in hockey. Detroit's probably the next one. So yeah, you know that division also had some stinkers in there too. But right. Well, they all they all do, of course. But but the Sorelli injury. I mean, Jamel Smith came in on Saturday night, played very well from the taxi squad. He's a good story, uh, by the he, way. He's every time he's been in, whether it's been preseason or training camp or you know the few games he's played for the Lightning, he's impressed. He makes an immediate impact. Yeah. He does. You notice his speed right away, but he's in the right places, makes the smart play. Um, you know, he's he came up from the taxi squad. If Stamkos can play on tonight. He could go back to the taxi squad, but I don't think you can take him out at this point. Um, he gets points, whether yeah, it's assists yeah. or goals, every time he plays. Yep. No, he he did very well. Uh, Matthew Joseph's been doing extremely well this year. I mean, the lines were changed up because you didn't have Stamkos. You didn't have Sorelli. Um, so they went 11-7 because that was all they had as far as personnel. 
They had to Tyler do so Johnson with a couple of Tyler goals. Johnson looks yeah. Tyler get him heated up. Well, in t- Tyler gets a lot of criticism, mostly because of his contract. You know, he's making what five million a year, and he doesn't put up a ton of points. But he also isn't playing his natural position. He plays wing a lot now. Um, he plays a lot better than he gets credit for. He's just not necessarily getting all the points. Um, right. And he does so many little things well too that. You know, I, 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 they're they're completely different players and whatever. But Ryan Callahan used to get ripped a lot for mostly because he was getting paid three or four million, whatever it was, back in the day, and mm. and he, you know, would get two or three goals. You know, but it was all the other things he did on the ice that made him so valuable. And, and you could argue he wasn't worth the contract. Okay, fine. But he was a, you know, when he was on the ice, the team played differently. Well, Tyler can play in so many different roles and does so many things on the ice well that, you know, they're a better team when he's in there. Now, if, if worth the contract, who knows? And, and you know, we know that they look to trade him this offseason, and, and that may happen this coming offseason. You never know because they're going to have to shed some more contracts most likely. But he's a really good player. And when he's when he's in those positions, when he, especially when he's playing center, he plays a lot better at center than wing. The problem is your centers on this team are Braden Point and Anthony Sorelli. And Yanni Gord is a really good center on that third line with Coleman and Goodrow. So where would Johnson play center at? Right. Um, and and that's, where, that's why he's ended up moving to wing. I mean, it's why Stamkos is on the wing now on the top line, which he's actually better at wing at this point in his career in letting Braden Point drive that line at center. Um, well, they made a good point about uh, you know Matthew Joseph and how well he's playing. That's because mm-hmm. he's back at center. And the thing about mm-hmm. playing on the wing, I mean, you there's a lot of starting and stopping, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that happens out there, and and you don't you don't get to utilize your speed if your speed is your biggest thing. That's why Braden Point is so great. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that easily or more easily at the center position than you yep. can when you're on one of the wings. So I that that's it's like you said, it's a different position, and and um, you know. But and the other thing is, look, when you've been on the trading block or people are trying to dump your contract, whatever, that can do funny things to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can either. Go in a jar and say, "Well, no, does this team doesn't want me." Or you can say, uh-huh. "Watch this, I am worth every penny." You, you can know? become playoff Lenny or free agent wire. That's Lenny. exactly I mean, you know, or right, waiver wire man. Lenny. Listen, man, <laughs> it does it. You know, it's universal, right? We talk about mm-hmm. well, these guys are professionals, you know, and it's it's a you know that that's bulletin board or that's this the the greater the athlete. Tom Brady walks around with one ninety nine in his pocket. Mm-hmm. It always has amazed me at how they carry those chips and they yep. collect them. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely use them whenever they can. Um, you would yeah. think, well, you're a professional. You don't need to be motivated. Oh, it matters. It matters. But the other part, too, and I'm sure you know Tyler Johnson would tell you this, and, and Leonard Fournette would, too, is they appreciate the honesty from the coach. Absolutely. You know, I mean, absolutely. Bruce Arians went to, to Fournette and said, look, I know you don't like this. You never you know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. But what do you, want me to you, do? Can either, you can either, you know, buck up and, and – Stay mm-hmm. here and, and, and work do your, your, your tail off and do your job and see what happens or I'll cut mm-hmm. you and you can go on your way. And, right. You know, I mean, you know, so kudos on Arians and, and, and Leonard Fournette for taking that feedback. I mean, some people, some people don't like that kind of honest feedback, and that's something we know Bruce Arians does. It, it seems like mm-hmm. the Lightning are very forward and, and you know, the Rays too. The Rays mm-hmm. tell their players exactly what they want from them and what they expect and what they may do. I mean, you know. We know that Kevin Kiermaier is a possibility to be traded. The Rays have talked to him about that. We know that. Right. It's not saying right. they want to, but they'll listen to offers. We know that's what the Rays do. Um, it's no yeah. secret. 
Um, you know, so that honesty, that that forthright information helps, and it helps keep that team together too. It's you know, it's not like the Rays, if they were to trade Tyler Johnson, that's not that they want to. It's purely there's a salary cap, and as we do really well, players want to get paid more, and at some point, you can't pay everybody. Well, and it's interesting because this is happening obviously to the Lightning after the Stanley Cup, and I'll be writing about this in the future. Is the dynamic of what happens when you win a Super Bowl? You know, the first time you win one, um, or you haven't won one for a very long time, and you finally win. Invariably, like if you go back and you look at those teams, all those guys checked their egos. Believe me, they did. Like Mike Evans, you know, he could have, you know, Antonio Brown comes in, and you know, he's not getting as many balls, and you know, Tom's throwing more to Godwin, or he's throwing, you know. You you could easily have somebody say, "What about me?" The "What about me?" Right, but but almost to a man, and maybe Leonard had to be shown this a little bit. But they all sort of bought into team first. It was about the team. It was about what's best for the team. And and if Antonio Brown's playing and Scotty gets fewer reps, well then Scotty's got to be ready when he gets his chance. And it's about the team. Um, and they all made their plays when they got their chances. But um, it's just interesting now that after you win. The human nature is such that it's like, okay, now that I've won, now that we've all done this, okay, what's in it for me now? Because I just sacrificed, whether it was money, reps, you name it. Now I want, now I want what's coming to me, and that's human nature, right? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Absolutely, it is. It, I mean, Every, you know, everybody wants that ring and lots of people sacrifice, and particularly veterans who have made some money will definitely do that, but even the younger guys. But eventually, okay, I've got my ring. Right. Uh, now I want to I be a star. I want to, you know, I, because, it, look, at the end of the day, these careers are short for players. It's not like, it's not like these players are, are making this kind of money until they're 65. Right. You know, their careers are four, five, six years, you know. I mean, that's a long career in the NFL for mm-hmm. most players. You know, what the average is, what, two and a half or something like that? So, yeah. And, and for all sports. So, you know, it, it's at the end of the day, they, they want to they get paid. They want to win championships, and that's why you play. But this is setting you up for life. And so at some point, you've got to, you know, Carter Verhage, for instance, um, you know, went to, to, Miami, or to Florida for about a million dollars. You know, the Lightning probably could have signed him to that. Now, they didn't tender him an offer, but they would have liked him to come back. But Verhage said, hey, I got a chance to – to play a, a more prominent role in, in 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 Florida, I can play in the top six where he's playing now and looking very good. But where was he going to fit in the top six in Tampa? He wasn't, and so it became about he could have stayed here and tried to win another cup. And the Lightning are one of the favorites, and he could win one in Florida. But it was about getting money, but also getting that prominence and a bigger role so that he can get a big contract and set himself up for life, which you can't fault him for. All right, hey, folks, we're going to have our popular mailbag segment tomorrow, so submit your questions, please, about anything, the Bucks, the Rays, the Bolts, you name it. 
will uh, have answers for you. And Daytona uh, 500. By... I mean, Michael McDowell won. He was 100 to one odds to win, and he won. I wish first I career rate, first on. career win in NASCAR. And he did it by pushing everybody out of the way. I guess it was legal. I don't know. Rubbing his racing. That's right. Uh, so uh, submit your questions to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Burstnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.